Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. There are 66. It's the very beginning right there on the left side. The book of Genesis, chapter 25. As you're turning there, I want to wish our mothers who are present and perhaps those who are listening or those far off uh, a happy Mother's Day. I also want to acknowledge and, and bless those who have perhaps passed away, but they've made such a difference in our lives. Almost everyone here knew their mother or you, you grew up with your mother and she may have passed early, she may have passed recently, I don't know, but every one of us, I suppose, every one of us certainly had a biological mother and yet there are many who have had deep influence upon us were perhaps not our biological mother, but we thank God for mothers this morning. If you knew your mother, if you knew your mother, her face was perhaps the first face that you recognized. Her voice, your mother's voice was, I I did a little bit of reading on this, her voice was probably the first that you recognized and the first to which you responded. If she would say something, you would smile or you would respond in some way. A mother. Most would agree, most here would agree, whether you knew your mother or you didn't, whether she was a huge part of your life or not, I think everyone here would agree that one of the greatest influences in this world are mothers. There's a poet, his name was William Wallace, He knew this when he wrote this, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. The hand that rocks, it's the the title of a poem. And in the poem, he proceeds to say that, that while the persons who rule the world get the attention, it's really the hand, the mother's hand specifically, that that rocked the cradle, that nurtured the child, that influenced the person that eventually became a ruler in this world. Now, I don't completely agree with that statement. I'll come back to it later later. Because I know that Jesus is the ruler of this world, but what it does indicate is there's a tremendous influence that a mother has on people who then become people of influence. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the the world. This morning, morning I want to share just a a part, because you can't share it in, in, in its entirety, there's just too much to many people's stories. But this morning, I want to share a part of the stories of two women from the Bible. One is early on in the Bible, another one much later. One mother is, well, I'll just put it this way, and again, while we'll only look at one kind of episode from her life, she was a not-so-good example. And then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll look at a, another woman who was an impeccable example, though we're not given much information about her. And I'm very glad, even before we look into the Scripture, even before we look into the text, I'm very glad that the Bible gives both the good examples and the bad examples and that we can learn from each one. One more thing before we look at the text. Some here would perhaps be tempted to think, well, this doesn't relate to me. I'm not a mother, never will be a mother. Uh, I'm a man, so therefore, of course, that's not going to happen, or, or I don't have children, or I've not had children, or I don't plan on having children, or... Uh, or, or my kids are long raised, and, and though I'm still technically a mother, I don't have much influence anymore. Please don't think that, because here's what I've found, that even if, even if while this message is talking about mothers, there are things here that are going to speak to you. 
Actually, this is a reality that I face almost every week because I'm talking to a group of people who will vary in age from 15 to 100 years old. People who have been serving Jesus for many decades and people who came to Christ just in the last few days or weeks. And so I, I, I face this a lot, and yet what I find so amazing is that the Holy Spirit takes His Word and He speaks to people's lives, even if, like in this case, you're, you're not a mother. The first mother I want to look at this morning is a woman named Rebecca, a mother named Rebecca. Her story is, is here in the, in the book of Genesis, this first book of the Bible, and it records, we won't read her whole story, but it records here how Isaac, that was her husband's name, Isaac and Rebekah, after 20 years of marriage, conceived and gave birth to twin sons. Their names, their names were Esau and Jacob. So you have Rebekah, the mother, Isaac, the father, and two children, twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Now you, you think about that for a moment. Here they've been married for 20 years years. That's a long time. You get into some certain patterns and you become very accustomed to doing things certain ways. And then all of a sudden you realize you're expecting children. And then when you give birth, there's not one but two. Can you imagine how their lives changed in a very short time? And how all of those patterns were, were kind of thrown into upheaval. Now, they were excited. They were thrilled. They they had probably, after 20 years, thought, you know, that this is not God's plan for our lives. Though, God had promised Isaac's father, a man named Abraham, that he would be the father of many generations. Isaac is sitting here wondering, why is it not happening? What's taking so long? In 20 years, suddenly God gives them two children. Esau was the firstborn, and then a few minutes later, Jacob. Genesis chapter 25, verse 28, reads this way. Now Isaac loved Esau, that is the father, loved Esau because he had a taste for game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Well, there's actually quite a bit there in those few lines. It says, Isaac, the father, loved Esau. He had a taste for game. He was an outdoorsman. Um, they had a lot in common that way. And while oftentimes parents will have more in common or likes or dislikes similar or dissimilar to one child as opposed to another, it seems in this case that they, there was more than that because it says he loved him more. And that's different. That's, that's a very different thing. It says he actually loved him more. He, Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. You have two parents, two children. Dad loves the older. Mom loves the younger. And let me just tell you, if you are... If you have children, you're going to have children in the future. That is just a really dangerous thing, favoritism. It's a dangerous thing. It's almost always very, very damaging. And we know that in this family, again, not going into all of the detail because of time, but in this family, this favoritism, this dad loving the older and mom loving the younger, that favoritism caused all kinds of strife and division each son probably trying to win the favor of the parent that loved him less. You imagine the family tension, the, the times at the table, if you will, sitting around it at the end of the day, and dad loves one and mom loves the other, and it was, it was divisive. 
Again, there's much to their story, but let me jump ahead. Years later, when they were adults, on one memorable day, Jacob, the younger by a few minutes, conspired, it says, with his mother. And I point that out. Conspired with his mother to fool her husband, Jacob's father, into giving him the blessing usually reserved for the firstborn. You see, Isaac certainly planned on giving the the family blessing, all of the, the majority of the inheritance to that older son, Esau. But Jacob, who was loved more by Rebekah, Jacob, it says that the two of them, mother and younger son, conspired together against the father to steal this blessing. So with Rebekah's help, Jacob disguised himself as his older brother, and together they deceived his father, her husband, who was very old, and the Bible says he was almost blind. His ears worked well, but his eyes not so much, and so they they put some fur on on his arms uh, and and on the back of his neck because the older was a lot hairier, and, 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 and together they deceived the father stole the blessing. Now, that could have been the end of the the story. Uh, A deceitful wife, a deceitful son, fool an old man, shame on them, shouldn't have done it, shouldn't have happened. End of story, move on. Go to the next chapter. But what's interesting is the Bible then proceeds, the Bible then proceeds to share in detail how Jacob, that younger son who fooled with his mother, fooled his father, The Bible goes on and says that Jacob went on to deceive the man who would be his father-in-law. The Bible also recounts how he would fool other people. And then, in the chapters after that, the Bible goes on to tell how how, uh, then when he was an old man, the Bible records how his own sons deceived him. For years, the Bible says that his own sons told him that a wild animal killed his favorite son when in fact his favorite son had been sold into slavery in Egypt. That's the story of Joseph, and many of you know his story, which is a whole different great story. But it was deception. You see this deception running not one generation or two generations, but three generations deep. Now if you look at Jacob's full story, this slippery, deceitful son who fooled his father along with the help of his mother. There's a part of me, when you look at Jacob's full story and how his sons later deceived him, there's a part of me that says, you know what? You got what was coming to you, Jacob. You sowed that seed, now it came back to get you. What goes around comes around. You deserve this, Jacob. But I want you to see, because I tell you that whole kind of a life story or the patterns. I want you to see this whole life story because that this lying, this deception, this treachery did not start just with a man named Jacob, but it was resident with an equally deceitful mother. I told you, I gave you a heads up, this is not a great example. Rebecca, while she had some good qualities She was a deceitful person. She deceived her husband. She lied to her husband. She fooled her husband. And she, in so doing, planted in her son 
destructive patterns, let me say that again, planted into her son destructive patterns that carried forward into the next generation and the next generation and almost certainly even the next generation. We're talking this morning about the the powerful influence of a mother. The powerful influence of a mother. And every one of us can look back and and we, we can say, good or bad, our mothers were deeply influential upon us. Rebecca did influence her son, not in a good way. I have known mothers, and so have you, whose unconfessed sin and whose spiritual strongholds have carried forward into successive generations. I have known people who, who it's so apparent to many people around them, the, the bondages, the spiritual bondages that are present within them. And because they're left unconfessed, it affects the next generation. And if it's not broken in that generation, then it goes on to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. I have known somewhere, it is, at least in my experience, knowing the multiple generations all the way down. It's heartbreaking. The good news is this, and I'll I want to give a good example here, but let me, before we get off of this bad example, let me just say this. The good news is Jesus still saves, Jesus still delivers, Jesus still sets people free. He sets people free from the spiritual strongholds that may go back generations. So perhaps if in your life you're maybe getting a little bit discouraged right now because you're looking at some of the patterns that you've seen perhaps in your family, in generations going back or generations around you, perhaps you can look at that and you're going, oh man, is there any hope? What about my children or my grandchildren? I have some good news for you today. Jesus can break that and Jesus alone. And that's what I've seen as well. I've seen this in my own family. My maternal side is just a really kind of a big mess on my mom's side of the family, but but my mom came to Christ and was wonderfully delivered from so many things, and yet I've seen those patterns continue into my aunts and uncles and my cousins and their children and so forth. But God saves. God delivered through the person of Jesus Christ. He saves. So that's good news. There are mothers here this morning. There are mothers here this morning who came to Christ after your children were raised, and after they were away from home. I've known some, and you've known some, who can look back with some regret and said, I wish I would have known Jesus earlier in life so that I could have, fathers and mothers, grandparents who said, I wish I would have known Jesus 20, 30, 40 years ago, and the difference that I could have made in my family. Well, we can't go back and undo it, but I know this, that there are people here who came to Christ long after their families were gone, and yet they continue to this day to live examples of godliness and holiness and the transformation power of Christ on life, to, to live that as an example. They're living examples of God's saving and healing and delivering power. And so if that's you this morning, and you're, I, I, I in no way to mothers, fathers, generations, people of influence, I in no way this morning want to you know, come down on you and say, it's too late, you've done this, you made some... Listen, you can still today, <laughs> there's still a pulse, 
you can still today live examples of God's delivering power before your family, and even if they're 40, 50, 60 years old. I want you to get a hold of that. Well, I also want to give you another example, a better example, and that is this mother is uh, recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 1. So uh, you can turn there, Second New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 1. This mother was named Eunice. Now we know almost nothing about this mother. I'll just say it up front. We know almost nothing about her other than her name, her faith in God, and her son. There's just really one small reference to this woman. The Apostle Paul was writing Timothy. In 2 Timothy, his second letter, chapter 1, verse 5, Paul wrote this. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, he writes to this young man. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now again, there's not much there. There's just not a whole lot there. But Paul here, directed by the Holy Spirit, knowing this young man, Timothy, and Paul was like a... (coughs) Paul never had children, uh, but he had spiritual children, and Timothy was like a spiritual child to him. He had had a deep spiritual influence upon him. And he's writing to this young man, and he's, he's talking about now three generations of people who have served Jesus Christ. Three generations who served Christ. Timothy, his mother Eunice, and his grandmother Lois. One generation influencing another and another. Now again, we don't know the whole story. We don't know exactly how Lois came to Christ or how Eunice came to Christ. We don't know if they were the ones who led Timothy to Jesus Christ. But, but here's what we know, that there's generations back. Well, listen to this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, a few chapters later, verse 14, Paul gives even more insight on this when he wrote this. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, he writes Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, while it doesn't mention Lois and Eunice, this grandmother and mother, while it doesn't mention them specifically here, I think it's pretty safe to assume that these earlier generations of godly women presented God's word to their son and their grandson, presented and taught God's word to a son and a grandson. More importantly, they lived God's word before this man named Timothy. It's a safe assumption that the faith that was present in a grandmother and in a mother also deeply influenced, and that's the word that I want you to get a hold of this morning, deeply influenced the life of this young man. Occasionally I will ask people and I will say, who is, what Bible character, what person from Scripture um, resonates most with you, influences you the most? People will often say things like, well, um, Mary, 
or Moses or Peter um, or, man, I can really relate to Noah. And some people, I can, I can relate to Job or uh, uh, some other person in, this, in the Bible. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, oh, that Eunice, really, I mean, she made a difference in my life. Lois, oh, yeah, that grandmother Lois, you know, it's my favorite Bible character because there's so little of information on them. But Timothy, Timothy we know about. People know about Timothy because he was greatly used of God as a young pastor. and He, he, was, he was Paul's protege. Paul poured more into Timothy. It would, it would appear in Scripture. He poured more into Timothy than he poured into any other person that we know of. This great man of God named Paul poured himself into a young man named Timothy. And perhaps someday when we get to heaven, we will know the rest of Timothy's story and how God used him. But Timothy certainly wouldn't have been Timothy without Paul, but he also would not have done what he did, I believe, had it not been for a grandmother named Lois and a mother named Eunice. Generations, early, earlier generations of godly women presented and taught and lived God's word before this man named Timothy. Maybe they shared how Jesus changed their lives. Maybe they sat him down over the breakfast table or the supper table or as they're doing chores in the house or walking along a path somewhere and, and grandma tells her grandson how, what Jesus has done in her life. Or maybe as a young man, mother relates to him and says, you know, listen, my story, there's some things about my story you need to know and she she shares them, and, and the best part is, let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. See, here's the reality, and this is pure conjecture. I don't know, but these women probably had a story. Well, they did have a story, and some of it may not have been good. There may have been some things that, about Lois or Eunice that would almost be embarrassing, <clears throat> but that really doesn't matter. What, what's important is the presence of Jesus lived in both of them. And change them, transform them. And he still does that. Time when Timothy came to accept Christ. And while he did not inherit eternal life from his mother or his grandmother, you can't do that. It does show us the great influence that one generation can have on another generation. I shared earlier that line um, written by poet named William Wallace, um, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Uh, there's some truth to that statement. It's speaking of influence and, and the difference that, that a, a life makes on another, and how sometimes motherhood is overlooked and yet nothing can quite compare to it. There's some truth to that statement, but I want to change it up a bit. I want to say this, a mother who holds a Bible can change the world. A mother who not only holds the Bible, but holds it in her heart. And a mother who takes God's Word and teaches it to her children, or to her grandchildren, or to others, can change the world. A woman who, who holds a Bible, a mother who holds a Bible, I'm going to take it even as a, a, a step further, but not a big step. A man, a father, a grandfather, a person of influence who has this Word in their hearts and in their hands and in their mouth and in their lives can change a generation, multiple generations. 
some of you are, maybe Mother's Day is a little bit difficult and maybe you would have liked to have had children and yet that didn't happen. I recognize that today may be a little bit challenging for, for you. If I can just briefly share, in my formative years, the woman who had the greatest influence on me other than my mother, again, the woman who had the greatest influence on me other than my mother, was an aunt who loved Jesus with all of her heart. In fact, introduced my mom to my father. Of course, the result was me and my brother, but she had a part in that. And she she didn't marry until much later. Never had, did not have children of her own. Um, but she had a deep influence on me. One of the reasons why I'm serving Jesus today is because of that woman who never had children, but she had she was deeply influenced me. She passed away about uh, a week and a half ago. Her funeral was on the same day our daughter was graduating, so I couldn't go to her funeral. But this was more important. But uh, I, I simply say that if you think that this is directed only to a, a mother who has, who has a biological child, uh, it's not. It's, it's to any woman here who has any influence upon a generation other than her own. And some of you have made a deep impact, a, a huge influence upon so many around you. And I, I thank you for that, people like my aunt, people who change generations. This morning, I want, us, I want to remind us again, call us again as I've called you other times to be people of generational influence. People of generational influence. Mothers and fathers, men and women, young people who hold the Bible, who live Jesus before others can change this world. But mothers especially this morning, I want to speak to you you have a tremendous influence on your families. You have a huge influence on your children and on your grandchildren and on many others. You are influencing generations to come. Some of you <clears throat> have been praying for generations, for children and grandchildren. You've been praying for years and they've not yet come to Christ. In fact, you may die before you see some of them come to Christ. But I'm telling you this, you keep praying. You keep praying and you keep living so that even perhaps after you're gone, they will look at your life and say, there was a man, there was a woman, there was a person who loved Jesus and who lived for Jesus Christ. You be that person, fathers, mothers, men and women. Be that person who served Jesus Christ. Change your world. Mothers, your love is demonstrated in so many ways, yet the greatest legacy, the greatest legacy you will give to future generations is not, um, is not necessarily your cooking, though it may be great. It is not necessarily your, your homemaking skills. It is not necessarily the profession in which you've engaged yourself and become excellent at, though it will change some, but it will not be your greatest legacy. The greatest legacy that you have will not be the places you visited, the degrees that you have earned, the places that you have gone to, the experiences you've had, the greatest legacy you will ever give to any other generation is a life lived for Jesus Christ. And that will change the world. This morning I want to I pray with you that you will continue to plant spiritual seeds that the Holy Spirit will use to change this world. And so 
while this has been directed somewhat to mothers, it's for all of us. And so I'd like all of you to stand. Would you please? I want to be sensitive. I know that there are a lot of plans on a Mother's Day. And, uh, and so therefore, I want to be very aware of our time. But I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you today. I want to pray that God will continue to use you to plant those spiritual seeds. Thank you, mothers. Thank you. If you're standing next to your mother or next to your wife who is a mother, would you reach over and take their hand right now? If you have to make your way even to where they are, uh, feel free to do that. To just do that now as I as I talk. But uh, but uh, go ahead and, and if you are, it, it, now there's a good chance that your mother's not here. In fact, there's a very good chance that your uh, mother has passed away. I would like you to fix their face in your mind. That will not be difficult to do. I want you to thank God for the mother that you had or that you have, wherever she is. I want you to join me in praying for her. And I want you to, uh, to uh, again, ask that the Lord will use you to be a person, a man or a woman of, of great influence to the generations to come. Should the Lord tarry, should, uh, should he not yet return in our lifetime, every one of us here will die. Those who are in Christ will go to be with him in heaven. Those who are not in Christ will go to hell. It's a hard reality, but it is a reality. But we will leave behind us generations, in many cases, generations of people that we've touched through the name of Jesus. Let's pray for these mothers here or elsewhere. Let's pray right now. Jesus, I thank you for our mothers. These women who have, in some cases, they were, they were, they did not know you. But we still thank you for the good things that they sowed into our lives. Lord, if there are any things, anything in our lives that perhaps like this mother Rebecca who who sowed some bad things into her child's life. Lord, we pray that that would be broken in my life. That it would not pass on to successive generations, but that generations will look to me and say, God did something there. So Lord, would you, would you break it? If our mothers knew you, Lord, or know you, we thank you for them. We pray for them today. Like it says in Proverbs 31, we rise up and we bless her. Thank you for these women who live Jesus and before us. None of them perfectly. We don't have that expectation um, of doing everything right, but we are grateful. So we pray for them today. Bless them. And finally, Lord, I pray that you will use me, that you will use us men or women fathers, mothers aunts and uncles, grandparents, friends will you use us for your glory so that the legacy that has been given to us of godliness will be passed on to another, we will show them what it means to serve you so use us Lord to reach future generations thank you for this body of believers who is so aware of future generations 
Thank you for our children's ministry and the people who minister week after week to our children and our grandchildren and to kids in this community. People who maybe just drop their kids off and then pull away, but but God, their, their lives are being changed. I thank you for the, the youth that are being reached and the lives, the young lives that are being changed because of these people of influence. I ask, Lord Jesus, that we will, as a body of believers, always be looking to that next generation and how can we reach them. Thank you, Lord. Your blessing upon every person here today. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives and the ways in which you change us. We thank you for eternal life. We thank you that there's more than this life. Until we gather together again, Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing and your favor upon us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen. Go in the power and the presence and the influence of Jesus Christ.